Before I get into this episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the rights to have access to a safe and legal abortion. Many of our Latina B2B listeners have grown up only knowing that there is access to health care for these services through their local Planned Parenthood or local community nonprofit organization. Having access to these health care services in our communities has allowed many of our communities to pursue higher education, to plan better for their careers, and for many, healing from domestic violence and incest. Latinas have been completing higher education at higher percentages over the last 20 years, and access to these community services help keep our families healthy and informed to our access and to the right to have health care choices for us and by us. As women of color, we will be the most affected by this decision. Let's not make the mistake that we have no say in this matter. We can fight for the support of others in their right to protect their bodies and to have access to a safe abortion. We can rally together for those in most need for services of home care, travel funding, food to families and childcare for those who will miss work in states such as Texas, who have one of the largest farm working communities outside of California and which has banned abortion laws taking effect as we speak. It's time to make our voices heard and to make plans to organize for your votes in the coming election and to elect those that will serve the community. You do have a voice and you do have a choice to do something. Let's make this happen and let's stay informed. Gracias. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Hola, hola, mi gente. My guest today is Denise Solar Cox. You know, Denise has been in this space of media for Latinidad for over 10 years. And after going from a stay-at-home mom to an award-winning activist filmmaker, she's also been a top 100 podcaster and is a sought-after Fortune 500 speaker. Denise uses her Latinidad experience being first-generation Puerto Rican to transform the lives through storytelling. It's really powerful. Her movie of Project Enya was co-founded in 2014, and she also has a multimedia production whose purpose is to transform how we think about culture, our identity, and what it means to belong, which is so important. In September of 2020, Denise was recognized as a featured host by Apple Podcast North America for her podcast, The Selfish Latinas, with listeners in 32 countries, and she has been invited to speak on over 150 stages, including TEDx Talks, and she has been recognized 
by brands such as Microsoft, Facebook, LinkedIn, Salesforce, JP Morgan, and Procter & Gamble. Her work has been published and is a contributor in Huffington Post and has been featured in Forbes as a trailblazing Latina. And she's also been on CNN, CNN Money, and the Chicago Tribune. She is currently working in production with her second feature length documentary about secret keeping in the Latinx community. Look out for that in 2023 and a book, both which will be coming out in 2023. All right, let's get to it with Denise Solar Cox of Project Enye. Good morning, Denise. Thank you for joining me on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. We're here in Los Angeles, California. I'm so happy to be doing this recording with you. I have been waiting for this moment to be with you in this recording. <laughs> and I love all the work that you do, especially from your film in Project Enye, your Instagram, which is totally, I love the inspirational posts that you do. Thank you. And just all the work you're doing to help us feel seen and validated in being between two cultures of being Latinidad, but our American self. And, you know, I struggle with that every day. So thank you for being here. And I want to talk about that. Yeah, well, so first, thanks so much for inviting me on. I have seen you, you and I cross paths. We often are on Twitter at really important <laughs> moments, like elections and really important moments on television. And I've loved our back and forth. And I've loved that We've never met each other in person, but I can't <laughs> wait to give you a big hug because Aww, you feel thanks. very much like a sister to me. So couldn't be uh, more excited to be on, on this show with you right now. And so the film uh, Being Enya came out six years ago. Mm -hmm. And I feel so blessed to say that it's only gotten more and more popular right. as people appreciate uh, nuanced stories from our community. And also as people appreciate that, how relatable our narratives are. And so not only has the film become popular, more popular within our own community and with the diaspora all over the world, but also other communities who share our value system, who share the collectivism that we look at the world through, prioritizing family, edifying elders, and all the things that our kind of value system, those cultures as well are appreciating the film because they feel it's telling their story. And of course, for me, that feels like a great honor. So yes, I have been busy, busier than I had ever anticipated. And if anyone would have said, you're going to be very busy for six years after this, <laughs> I don't know that I would have believed them. I don't know if I would have believed one year, you know, because I really mm -hmm. just wanted to get it made. I didn't look that far after the film, uh, but there's a whole, a whole bunch of stuff that's happened since the film has been out, which has been incredibly exciting. Right. Let's talk about family, right? Bringing Ooh. the family into our aspirations and how, the, you know, when we want to push past the boundaries of the cultural norms and many Latinas, when they do that, we feel alone. I do mm -hmm. sometimes, especially when I worked in tech for 20 years. But for you, you talk about it so wonderfully in your movie but when we said, let's talk about bringing the mess into the conversation, it has to do with aspirations, you know, being confident, making money, all these things that aren't really, for a lot of us, passed down as a model for us to aspire to. And then that brings up a lot of 
difficult conversations around money and confidence. And then what are we supposed to do in relation to the family? Yeah, got it. So thanks for bringing up my favorite topic right now. So that is one of the things that, yeah, it kind of, it. I feel like a, a lot of people are talking about it in their own way. So one of the things that I'm finding that happens is that when a Latina, the ambitious Latina, right, with big aspirational dreams begins to ascend, begins to become successful and see their hard work uh, rewarded, it's pretty predictable the things that she'll bump up against. And and that is what we're referring to as the mess. And that is when a Latina is striving for and to make good, right? On the promise mm-hmm. of I will make your sacrifice worth it, right? We take that, we take it so seriously, and we move and we aspire and we become educated and take risks and then find ourselves once we arrive, wherever we end up, right? experiencing intense imposter syndrome, experiencing feelings of betrayal, especially when given opportunities that pull us apart physically from our families. Uh, We experience guilt. There's something called survivor's guilt, like when you make more money than mm-hmm. your than your parents make or when you are more successful and you realize wow i'm there's something about this life that i've created that pulls so far away from one's roots that it, it tangles us up and it's at the heart of it are the norms in our community the collectivism and and before i really get into it it's not about making collectivism wrong that's very, as true as making self-reliance wrong it's simply two different ways that we that we look at the world. Either we prioritize the group and family or we prioritize the individual. Those are the two ways that most of the world adopts um, to see the world through, the two value systems that we that we live our lives by and believe truths around, right? Like it's not okay for women, you know, once they become moms or wives or in the reverse, to go out and, and aspire for something great. Like the greatest aspiration should be being a great wife and a great mom and keeping a great house, right? Uh, mm, yeah. But what about if she wants more for herself? What about if she wants, to, you know, to attain more? And so those are the things that create those little messes. And I, and I see myself as someone that I would say little messes and big messes alike, right? And I see myself as someone who's able to translate that, who's able to understand it and kind of communicate some thought leadership around it so that the women, and I always say women because I just believe Latinas are the heroes, were one of the greatest gifts of starting Project Enya are all of the fabulous Latinas that have come into my life. Like I wish all of you all could have been my best friends growing up. But if you were... Project Enya wouldn't exist because I wouldn't have felt so alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in any case, my greatest, my biggest goal, my biggest aspiration is to liberate Latinas that feel trapped by the norms that don't work for her, that feel mm-hmm. conflicted and and overcome by imposter syndrome and release her and show her where her power is that it ne- that never left her, you know, but, but by letting her know first and foremost, that she is not alone. And this is a very predictable, linear experience that she's having. And I hope that that doesn't sound weird when I say she, but I'm talking about the collective her, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I know that you have so much truth in that because you came from that experience. And 
you wanted to do that with your family and then your success and your failure and, you know, how this whole journey started for you. So it's not like you're just pulling this from academia, right? No, absolutely not. This is, and it's funny, I was just at a conference over the last few days with a lot of very highly educated people. And I was the only filmmaker, documentarian slash artist, right, in the room. Mm -hmm. There were only 50 of us. And when, when they asked me, you know, we're, or they said, we're so happy you're here. And, you know, what are you getting from the conference? And I, number one word was validation, you know, like some of the, you know, after a while doing this work, now that I've been doing it for eight years, the film has been out for six, but the work has been going on for eight, the interviews, the interactions, the conversations, and then the deductions, the, the understanding, wait, the seeing the patterns and being able to kind of form some conclusions, it feels really good that a lot of these conclusions are also being drawn drawn in the academic world. And I'm more out in the field, like on the ground, and we're all arriving sort of at the same thing, right? Except for that I have the pleasure of being able to tell stories about it for my community. And yes, it does describe my experience. And then finally, every time I learn something new, every time I get some great meaning or derive some kind of meaning out of the something that's giving me an aha. I, I consider myself the first benefactor, right? And then it's mm-hmm. my job. I feel like to share it, make sure as many people understand it and know it for themselves so that we as a collective can grow and yes. transcend these things because they're like weights shackled on our ankles. And it's so hard to watch It's so hard to participate and be a part of it. And uh, so when one of us is free, we can help free the other ones. Oh, my God. I love everything about that. It's so true. And, you know, this brings up a a good topic for me. And you and I talked about this is Encanto, is that validation and the family, like everything we're talking about right now. I know everybody thinks it's a great movie. And it is. It is. It's it's the music is great. But, and and that's a big but, (laughs) there's a lot of things in there that are kind of, you know, bringing up some cultural, I want to say uncomfortableness. And especially for a Latina who was, you know, kind of made to feel like she wasn't worthy of any power of just being herself in the family and I don't know. It was really hard. And you and I talked about this and I saw your Instagram post about it. Can you uh, elaborate more on that moment for you? Because I had a lot of feelings around it myself. Oh yeah. So that, that film for, I think it's brilliant. I think they did so many things, right? Honestly, I think they did it all right. And what I'm not sure of a hundred percent is if they understood to the depths to which they would touch people. And because I didn't hear a lot about how they got the characters wrong. And I didn't hear a lot about representation when it come, when it came to that film. There's so many other films that came out. You know, we always hear like how casting got it wrong and all this stuff, but they got all that stuff right. And then they had Lin-Manuel's beautiful music, the right. beautiful animation. And um, and then they told an incredible story. And, I, and in many, many layers, like in New York, we have this thing called the seven layer cake. It's like a seven layer chocolate cake. And it's always the one I got for my birthday. And man, they got down to the seventh layer, which was for me very difficult to watch. And I, my, my girls watched it 
I think two times before I did and they're 13 and 14. And I remember like yelling at the screen, like, why? Like I felt so bad for Mirabelle, you know, cause mm-hmm. in many ways when that Instagram post that we're talking about was just so painful, it was, I was waiting for the pain to leave my body to, to create that Instagram post, but it just never left. And I'm like, no, I need to get my feelings out here. And I have no idea if anyone else feels this way, but I had a hunch that other people did. And while a lot of people were talking about the beautiful stuff, I had to talk about how, yeah, Mirabelle having to have the weight on her shoulders, not getting the gift, you know, and what that feels like and, and that heavy, heavy burden that was put on her as if it were her fault. Right. Right, And then those ideas about, uh, you know, she's just doing her right. And like, how old was Mirabelle anyway? Like 10, you know, Mm -hmm. like it really was Mm -hmm. so indicative of when these traumas, like just to show how early, like she suffered well before we met her in the film. Well before that, right? But she's still being her beautiful, fabulous, peppy, wonderful self in the film, you know? But we know that that she's carrying this great burden of not feeling good enough. And then that lack of worthiness, you know, we also know will carry through the rest of her life unless she does something about it. Once again, work she needs to do when it's like, wait a second, she, you know, she was just like this innocent child and had the weight of the sadness and the trauma of her grandmother on her, you know, that she did not invite into her life. And as an adult Latina who was Mirabel as a child, I was like, man, you know what? Like poor Mirabel, like what about that poor little child? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I just know, you know, it's like, she's going to have such, she will grapple so deeply with her belonging and with her uh, sense of personal agency because of all the things that are happening now in this family unit. And it just riled me up. And I was so happy to hear that so many other people had identified with that post. And it was actually the most, the most shared, most popular post I've ever made. And incidentally, one of the most candid and authentic, just like, you know, if you want to know how I really feel about this, it really, it hurt to watch, but also it showed the power of media and it showed the power of great storytelling right. to poke and agitate something that's really important for us to be talking about right now. Right. And, you know, Disney's really good about that. I think they're getting better because I think it was more to educate the family in a way. And because the kids are always going to be happy with Disney and how happy and upbeat it is. But, you know, like through Pixar, which I love totally, there's always that adult message there, you Uh know, like, let's let's take a hard look here at ourselves. Right. And I I like that. So, yeah, it was it was hard and I was really saddened, but it did touch me a lot because, you know, I miss my grandmother and I carry guilt like I don't do enough, you know, for the family and and I'm the oldest as well. So it, there's a lot there. So there is a lot of spokes from that movie that come out, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if I if, and if I could tell you, if I had a dime, you know, the expression like for every time a Latino tells me, I just don't feel good enough. And like, that is such a shame, you know? I don't know at this point now, like people are very comfortable sharing that with me because they know, because I, I don't pretend that I don't feel that too. Right. So I make it very obvious that I am a human being with struggles. And, and so people feel comfortable telling me their struggles. And so it's hard for me to kind of see like, do other ethnic groups, do other, does the dominant culture 
do they say this? Do they experience this? Is this something that is happening there? Because I'm hard pressed to to believe it's happening as often as it is for us. Right. And it just makes me want to be that mama bear and that madrina. That's what that's what my coaching group uh, started calling Aww. me, the madrina. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, just say like, no, 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 we're all okay. You're okay. We are enough. Let's move on. Now let's keep going here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's hard to hear so many people experiencing that and not want to just completely try to change it. Right. It's hard to step out of the comfort zone. And when you do... I feel sometimes there's a personal resistance and you struggle, right? Because you're the one making the most money or you're the one that's, you know, helping the family. And when you're the first one, it's hard to see yourself when you don't see that many out there, right? So there's this resistance almost of yourself. And, you know, I want to get into that and also talk about that confidence and how it relates to money, for a lot of Latinas when we get to that point, because that is a big thing for me in this year moving forward and a lot of talks coming up. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so interesting to see the correlation because money, all money is, is just like evidence of value given into like the marketplace. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's what money is. It's just an energetic uh, representation of the value you bring. And we, when I say we, I say the Latino community, not, I'm going to say generally speaking, there's a lot of really smart, amazing, articulate, successful women with very big Instagram accounts that are beginning, that continue to share about this as well. Uh, and sometimes way better than I can. And, uh, <laughs> and they're addressing the same thing, which is this, this cultural kind of impression and story that we tell about money and having and acquiring and keeping and investing, right? Mm-hmm. And comparing that to whiteness or comparing that to dominant culture yes. and ultimately that it's bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this resistance, like what you just talked about. And it's like, why do I feel this resistance? Well, if you heard it, and it's actually a quote in my movie, like you are acting like those white people. No one, no, you know, no one wants to act like that. No. And that's, we're taught that's bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if our people struggle and if our people don't have enough, and if we always are struggling for the seat at the table and they have all of it, we don't want to be like them. Then how does, how does one reconcile that in our mind? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Then we get it. Then are we like them? And then we have to transcend those feelings and grow from those feelings and kind of decide, well, you know, we always, We always could. We always did have the agency to decide for ourselves who we are. But oftentimes it feels like we're separating ourselves from the group if we decide to construct an identity that's independent of the group. Mm -hmm. And so it's very high pressure and high stakes and feels like the number one word I hear from our community is betrayal. And that's a very strong word. It's a very strong word to use. It is the most consistently used word when I speak to somebody who is becoming successful. Wow. Like literal success and betrayal. Like like betrayal is the opposite of success and vice versa. That is very intense. And so how do we crack that, crack those things 
apart, you know, you know like a thick chocolate bar, you have to get in your hands and <laughs> yes. crack that thing yeah. and yeah. separate the pieces, right? Never to be connected again, mm-hmm. like, and remelt the chocolate. One's called success. One's called betrayal. These two are not related, but right. we have it twisted. That is our culture doing that. But that's why we need more and more people to talk not only about this, how they feel about it, with whatever lack people feel to to describe their feelings, you know, because sometimes people are like, they don't want to describe or share how they feel because they don't have the right words or they can't formulate the sentence perfectly. Just listen right. to me and be okay with it. <laughs> right? Because clearly I am not perfect at describing it. And we need more people, just more people out there sharing how much money they make, sharing, just talking about money, making it normal and okay. And actually, listen, when I tell you how much money you might have left on the table, let's figure this out together, how you might be able to make more. But let's, you know, those two things I see are critical. And then obviously wrapped in the self-awareness that we have collapsed these two things, right? The recognition, we've collapsed these two things. Let's separate them. Let's pull them apart. And then let's start talking about this. Let's start talking about how we feel, especially on with people with platforms and then one-on-one, right? Yeah. And then let's start talking about money, like dollars and cents. Like how much could you make, you know, if you had this profession or how much could you make if you did this? How much did people make? Talking about successes and failures. There's a reason why a lot of Latinas that are becoming more and more successful feel alone. It's not because there's no one ahead of us. There are some ahead of us, but they're from a different generation where they had to shut down, where they had to, or they believed they had to, right? They believed they had to, they didn't have to, but they believed that they had to keep everything close to the vest. This is not our generation. That doesn't help. It helps when you share. It helps when you are open and it doesn't take away your power. If anything, it gives you power to share those things. Right. And the more we talk about it, it's building a relationship to our personal growth, right? Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yes. Because when I can share with you, right, something that was hard for me, when I can share Mm -hmm. that with you and share with you wherever I'm at, you know, there's this thing in uh, digital marketing or, you know, the the online space where they say, don't ever talk about your wounds until they're scars or something like that, right? Uh Because that's bad. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about, whether it's still a wound or a scab and it's a scar. Like people need to see real. Okay. That is, that is garbage. And that is just a power play. That's a power play. Don't talk until you have power over that, which hurt you. You know what? You have power. The minute you decide you have power, you have power. The minute you decide I'm going to be okay and transcend this. And I don't know when I will fully be over this. Right. When I think about that, I think about the deaths of my dad and my brother. Those things happened a very long time ago. If you've had a sibling die or a parent mm-hmm. die, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know that I'll ever be over, quote unquote, those losses in my life, but I'll be damned if I hold back on what that's felt like and how that's affecting me, especially if I know that it could help somebody else. Right. That's great advice because that's something that we can mirror out to are, you know, amigas and the community and people are looking for that. And and this is such a great time, especially after the social unrest and everybody's making that social justice impact right now as much as they can. And talking about it definitely heals us, I think. And how we talk to our families is a chore sometimes. 
it's really hard and we want them to accept us and sometimes they reject us and we don't understand why, but that's their stuff, right? That's what the way I feel. Oh, yeah. And that too is a, that's a really hard topic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of at any cost, like keep those relationships up at any cost because they're family, right? Right. And that whole blood is thicker than water. And it's like, okay, but what about when that becomes abusive, right? Yes. What about Mm -hmm. when it is toxic? And what about those times? And I really think we need to examine if those relationships are giving us what we need, right? Right. And I personally believe it's okay to be in a an evaluation and reevaluation and to be in a in and ultimately to protect your energy around anyone, regardless mm-hmm. if they are on ancestry.com a blood relative. No one deserves to be in an abusive situation. No one's boundaries are entitled to be crossed, uh, regardless if the person who's crossing them is a blood relative. I think sometimes there's this carte blanche because someone has a a blood relation to us that they can cross those lines. And personally, that's not okay with me. And um, Mm -hmm. and I know that that's a controversial statement and I will stand my ground. Even if I stand alone on that ground, I'm not interested in abuse. And sometimes with some family members, that's those relationships are abusive Mm -hmm. and taking a step back or a step out of the family unit to recover, to heal, to self-preserve is a good idea. Yes, I completely agree with that. And there's a lot of pain there, but there's also a lot of self-work. And again, the more we talk about it, we have a, we start building a better relationship to our own growth, but then we're also mirroring, you know, a good relationship to others, right? Mm -hmm. Setting that example. So I really love that. So Denise, I want to ask you, like, what can we do? Like, what do you want to leave us with here for Latinas from the block to the boardroom, the women that are coming into this new era? You know, I always say I'm a Chicanosaurus a little bit, you know, (laughs) we're we're here in this age. I, I don't have any young daughters, but I have a lot of young, you know, nieces and nephews. What is it that we can leave them with here with our pathway or, or how we're trying to build that bridge of communication that it's okay? Yeah. So I would absolutely want to leave everyone with this sense that first acknowledging that you're not alone in what you feel, especially if you're part collective, part self-reliant, right? And so meaning mm-hmm. you you come, your value system is from the collective, but you're also participating and thriving in a world where self-reliance is the rule book, right? Like, first of all, that is not wrong. And honestly, there's some other ways. There's an underbelly to both of those ideologies. There's a good and a bad. There's a front of the hand and the back of the hand, right? And so one is neither good nor bad. And it's time for something new, time for something different. And that that something different is called interdependence. And that's the hope of the first gen, second gen, third gen, right? Latino here in this country, et cetera, is to combine those two ideologies, even though they are diametrically opposed, is to combine them not for the world, but for yourself, right? You know, combine them and, and create something that works better for you, right? Like the, it could be like the a la carte line, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, 
not eating this anymore. I'm, I'm starting to do this now. I'm going to have this dressing, right? And then you pick and choose what works for you. This is not bad. This is not betrayal. This is called reinvention. This is called transformation and upgrade, right? Yes. I'd love that. Yeah. So I invite everyone listening to think about that. Think about what the best way it might work for you and believe that there's something that can work the best for you and that you don't have to succumb to the strong current sometimes that you feel under your feet that sweeps you away and right out of the dream that you have for your life. Oh my God. That's so powerful. I love that. And I love everything that you do, Denise. I really do. I do. Oh, thank you. And I'm so happy that you're on the podcast with us. And I appreciate your words and the things that you say, because when we are laying there sometimes alone at night and we're in these arenas, as I say, there's a lot of doubt. And it's like, how do you pump yourself up? I mean, I want to put some music on at that time, but I'm like, I'm trying to go to bed. Yeah, it's and the thing is the here's not to sound Pollyanna, but when when those voices are are the loudest, you know, we we get to interpret these things however we want. You know, although mm-hmm. it seems like there's this default thing which is listen to the voice and believe we suck, right? And that we really yes. don't know what we're doing. Like that is right? one possible <laughs> yeah. that is available and it is the one that we immediately believe, but there's other things available. There are other interpretations available. We just forget or we need to be reminded. And so another interpretation is, wow, when the voices get the loudest, it's when I'm doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing. And and you can try it and try it out. Like Mm -hmm. you have an amazing day today and you will see the more you ignore that resistance and just transcend and move through and courageously show up for yourself, Mm -hmm. the more miracles will happen. I promise you. And the only reason why I know this is not because I read it in the book, in a book, although it is written in many, many books (laughs) is because I have personal experience with it. And I also have experience with, for whatever reason, seeming to forget it every time I'm reaching for something bigger. And so Mm. the last thing I want to share is my next project. I'm working on a book Mm-hmm. And if another film, my second film, a lot of people are like, are you making another film? What's going on? So yes, the uh-huh. book and the film are actually very much related and hopefully both will be coming out next year. And Wonderful. they are, yeah, they're, they're both about the same thing, but expressed in, in different ways. And it's very specifically about secret keeping in our community and how wow. that norm, that old antiquated norm of los trapos yes. sucios se lavan en la casa is holding us back from personal agency, from having a sense of worthiness and ultimately from belonging in the spaces and places that we desire to be in. So I'm very, very excited for those two things to come out. Well, there you go, everybody. You heard it first. Get the book and the movie is going to come soon. So I am very excited for that because that is a big deal in secret keeping. And it. I have many thoughts on that, but we're wrapping. That's for another podcast. <laughs> we can do a whole episode on that when the book we comes can out. Do, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to, I'm going to put a date on that, that we will talk okay. about that again. So thank you, Denise, for being on Latinas from the block to the boardroom. I'm going to take you with me to amplify our voices, our community, our businesses, 
our hard work. And that's what I said, you know, oh. yesterday. I know I'm going to cry right now, but I am. I'm bringing you all with me. So thank you, Denise. I really appreciate it very much. You're welcome. So, so I want you to bring my 100% belief in you that you are going to kick major butt today and <laughs> any day. Okay. You take that thank with you. you. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate <laughs> right, that. You're welcome. Okay. Gracias. Gracias. You. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thanks, Denise. Bye. Thank you, Denise, for joining me on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom and bringing Project Enya and your experiences to all of us here in the podcasting realm. As you and I are both Latina podcasters, me, a former Silicon Valley executive and a college graduate, this is serving the community in more ways than I can express. And what I love about our discussion today was how it is very timely to the events that are happening in our community with the overturn of the Roe versus Wade and the gun laws that have just changed recently for our states, especially here in California and in New York. As Latinas move up in their careers or enter college, we do grapple with a lot of these issues. And so I'm so happy to have her here to discuss this with us and to share what it means to be a powerful Latina. So let's get into that mindset and shift our power. I'm so happy that you came to join us today here on Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. If you'd like to learn more about Denise, you can find her at Project Enye on YouTube, which has some very wonderful and powerful clips that you can see. She's also located on IG with Project Enye, and you can find her on LinkedIn at Denise Solar, S-O-L-E-R Cox on LinkedIn. This podcast was audio engineered and co-produced by Robert Lopez of latinasb2b.com and Teresa E. Gonzalez founder and producer of Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom and latinasb2b.marketing. Please subscribe to our newsletter to learn more about our guests such as Denise and others and get your information on how we are providing services to the community and how we can help our communities build stronger together. Our small business promotions and events are also located on our newsletter, and you can find that at latinasb2b.com. And you'll also find your favorite podcasting platforms there. And most recently, our YouTube channel. Yay! So please go to latinasb2b.com for more information. I'd like to also dedicate this podcast to all the working communities out there who feel that they don't have a voice, you do have a voice and please keep going. You are seen and we support you. Gracias.